Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. And this program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. And uh, we'll just say from that, let's check out the websites, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And our sister site, yourdiywealth.com. Just change the H to a W. And when you get there, hit the Hyperverse tab. And there's videos there that will show you how you can take advantage of the crypto industry without having to worry about market volatility, how you can take uh, advantage also of the next megatrend that's going to be greater than the internet and mobile phone revolutions combined, and how you can become a part of the dynamic hyper community and experience the incredible benefits of membership. So that's all we'll say about that, but there's great information there. It may be for you, may not, but uh, do yourself a favor, take an hour or so and look at some of the information. You may be quite surprised. Um, also, uh, real quick, uh, well, first off, the disclaimers. Keep in mind that the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat or, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue you know, or a wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. Now, um, yesterday I mentioned I wanted to try and get John from, uh, I think it's Utah, uh, John of um, uh, Turboganics fame. Uh, to come on and chat with us, and I don't know if he's here or not. John, if you are here, please unmute and jump in. Um, I would like to pick your brain, and uh, ah, looks like John in Utah is here. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm hot. I'm live. <laughs> hey, fantastic. In Utah, I don't know what the weather's like out there, but... <laughs> Gorgeous day. Oh, Gorgeous fantastic. Day. Yeah, it's pretty nice here, too. It's a little on the cool side, 66 to 68 degrees, but it's sunny and nice. But anyway, um, I got the uh, TurboGanics the other day, but I haven't had a chance to uh, apply it to my garden yet. And I just wanted to, if wondered if you would be so kind as to just give us a little history of the company, how you got uh, doing what you're doing. And um, then again, I want to talk to you about applying it and what can I can expect and stuff like that. So go ahead and just give us a quick rundown on what's going on with TurboGanics. Uh, you bet. I uh, appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. The, um, you know, the origin of the company actually starts with my uh, late science partner, John Pease, who's featured on our website of TurboGanicSingular.com. Okay. And uh, John's uh, grandfather was actually Graham Bell, uh, the inventor of the telephone. And so he came from a good gene pool, brilliant man, very humble, literally down to earth, literally. And uh, he was born and raised a family farm, upstate Michigan on the border. And uh, at 13 years old, he had read every book in the local libraries. Uh, he was tutoring his, his other grandfather and father on the farm that they, he was raised on in growing and husbandry techniques at 13 years old he managed the farm with full-blown polio 
Amazing guy, absolutely amazing. He ended up shaking off the polio, went into military later. Um, whole different story, but anyway, uh, very interesting guy, unassuming, dry sense of humor, one of those kind of people. We worked together for almost 20 years. And so one of his, um, he had many inventions and true renaissance man, he was a hell of an artist too. And so he was uh, at the time doing, um, this is back 50 years ago, he was doing some geological survey projects a project for the state doing core sampling just to see what was in the ground and he came across this uh, material that he thought was interesting and so he kind of put it off to the side and he determined that it was uh, umpteen uh, years old quite old back in the dinosaur era and the t-rex period and uh, you know it was very rich uh, humic fulvic acid type material and and so he experimented with it uh, for the next uh, 10 years and just to see what he could do with it. And so that was really the front runner to the, you know, what we call turboganic today. But um, where he first applied this, though, was in a uh, he was working with a company that did what's called soil, bio soil remediation. And that's where they would use bacteria in the ground to be able to take out pe uh, toxic petrochemicals, um, different kinds of spills and so on and so forth. And in his prime, he probably did about 38 projects around the country. And, and this is particularly significant. Um, and so, you know, he was one of the grandfathers of using bacteria in the ground in general. But what would happen was that they'd have to keep dumping more and more bacteria down the ground because they would die off. You know, they just couldn't, you know, continue their life cycle, as it were. Uh, and, and these were a certain kind of bacteria that would do that. So he ended up creating a, a method to cultivate them so that they could propagate underground. And he had cut their reproductive cycle from seven, no, from 36 hours to seven minutes, uh, which was astonishing. And they were eight to 10 times bigger than normal. So we would call them micro Rambos. So he kept this culture alive for many years, applied this into the field. And one of the projects they did was uh, in Lake Winnebago, where they make motorhomes. And so the, uh, they had a, a, a sport fishing lake there and so forth. So there was a site there that was old and abandoned that they did wood preservative work with. So that had might eventually migrated into the lake, causing all kinds of problems. The tourism dropped off, et cetera. So he was called in there to do this project uh, to get rid of this crap in the soil, the wood preservative material. And so the, the up above it was a field of wild strawberries. And wild strawberries, for anyone that tried to <laughs> attempt to eat them, uh, you know, they're not very big plants. They're very sour. Virtually no animal would touch them. And they're about pinky size in, 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 in their scale. And so as he was treating this, that included the current turboganic product along with a couple of other protocols where they were injecting this into the ground and recirculating it and continuing to move it through. And it was a several acre site. And so they found out that the strawberries just went nuts on top. They grew in height within a couple of three weeks. They went from pinky size to thumb size and went from sour to sweet. So that was kind of his first revelation to say, wait a minute, what's good for the bacteria? It's good for the soil. 
I'm sorry, good for the plants. What's good for the bacteria in the soil is also good for the plants. And so that's how the, that started. And since that time, then, then John and I had hooked up, you know, some time after that and, uh, you know, revived that part of it and uh, did some enhancements to it and, and so forth. So that was kind of the, the foundation of that gym. That's pretty cool. And, um, excuse me, I'm junking my throat here. So right now, um, we, we planted our garden last week. Uh, we mostly, um, tomatoes, uh, peppers, cucumbers, things like that. Um, what's the best way to apply the turbo organic to these plants? Okay. Good question. So first of all, it's extremely concentrated. Very, very little goes a long way. And so, you know, we have quarts and gallon, five-gallon sizes. And, you know, for people that need more, you know, we can go bigger too. But we're a very small company. We still make this stuff by hand, literally. And uh, we do the bottling. We do everything. So it's, it's not, we're not some big company at, at all. We've never been. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, but we've had, you know, lots of opportunities for, um expansion let's say um anyway the um and the thing is and, and this is key is that the product will never spoil Ooh. that's a big big deal even if it were to freeze rock solid multiple times it will never spoil and we've we've had that demonstrated for over 20 years yes uh, additionally the um Unlike, say, if you go into a supermarket, or no, I'm sorry, uh, one of these big box stores, a Home Depot or such, that uh, they have a whole wall of real estate, say, of uh, miracle Grow, right? And if you stop at, or start at the top left corner, it has a purple curved bottle, African violet formula, then carnation formula, daisy formula, this formula, that formula. There's like, you know... 70 different products on the shelf. So they get a lot of real estate that way, but their products typically are designed to spoil, you know, in, in less than, than two years, a year and a half or so. Then you have to start the cycle all over again, and people have become brainwashed that, uh, that they need a separate mixed solution, the you know, nutrient, for every species of plant, which never made sense to us because we have one sun, one wind, one rain, you know, variations in climate and soil, obviously, but we've grown in hydroponics, we've grown in shredded paper, we've grown in sand, we've grown in uh, aquaponics with fish. The fish love it. It doesn't kill them, so it's safe for kids and pets and so forth. And so the, the, the other big deal is that it'll work on any kind of uh, plant. I, I halfway joke to say when people ask me, will this work on A, B, C, X, Y, Z? And I go, here's a rule of thumb. I said, if it's indoors or outdoors, and it thinks about growing other than kids and puppies, it works fantastically well. And that's, that's the actual truth of the matter. Um, you know, vegetative stuff of any type. So whether it's soaking seeds to enhancing compost because it feeds the bacteria and the compost helps breaks it down, and then it's also impregnating the material into the compost, uh, it can uh, enhance your soil. Uh, also, if... Um, you know, you, you could apply it if you wanted to as a foliar spray. You know, I'm more of a fan of in the ground, the roots, because that's where the bacteria hang out. So mm -hmm. there's that relationship going on. And sometimes we have people do both or they can't get to the roots or, you know, high up trees, orchards and all that kind of thing. So um, 
that's you know how that part works so you're going to mix say if you're doing a vegetable garden mm-hmm. um, we suggest say three capfuls to a gallon of water and uh, so a quart will make 25 gallons of product the gallon will make a hundred gallons and if you have any kind of you know more than say of just a, a few grow boxes and you know some landscaping or anything trees that are in trouble that type of thing and house plants then you know I would just do the gallon because it's never going to spoil and plus with all of the shortages of bottles fertilizers and all this kind of thing uh, and it doesn't spoil so it's a it's a great preservation item uh, just to have on hand you know in any time in the future so but back to the ranch on the uh, application is that if um, the the basic principle is you want to water well first and 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 sometimes especially out here in Utah when it gets really hot uh, in the summertime people are watering say for I don't know 10 minutes twice a day which is not a good thing it does that keeps the roots on the surface it doesn't allow them to really drive down where it's cooler for them anyway so it's best you know, you know, just normally, if you can get by with watering very well, you know, even if it's over 30 minutes, uh, watering very well um, once a week. Uh, you know, for some people, they need to do it every couple of weeks. Depends on their soil condition. Um, other people, when it gets crazy hot, maybe every other day, uh, if the need is, it's really there. So once you do the watering, then you take your dilution meaning in this case of three capsules to a gallon of water, and you're going to apply that to the plants around the base of the plants. So this is not based on square footage, which is in a sense a misnomer. They'll say, oh, this is good for a thousand square feet, and they don't take into account pathways and such, so, or they do. And so I'm, you know, our strategy has always been, why put nutrient on the pathways? <laughs> you know, keep it to the plants where they need it and use it. So that you know that helps with its efficiency, um, and so once you do that, um, now the analogy I use in terms of progression. So here you have a single source product that will cover all types of plant vegetation. Again, it doesn't matter what it is. If they're big trees, and we've done hell, we've done 12 foot or 12 inch diameter sequoia trees already, a forest of them that were in trouble. That's going to take quite a bit more product but that, for that. But, um, but if a normal garden, then if, say, if you have small starter plants, um, usually a half a cup of the dilution once a week is a fine place to start. If you have starters in trays already, if you're gone from seed and they're just, uh, say, a couple of inches high or so, just mix up a dilution of one capful to a gallon, which is on the label, and then just and, and then spritz them well, do them maybe every three days or so. That will help condition them. So typically, by the time you put them into the ground, uh, that they don't go into plant shock. So that's a, that's a big deal. And uh, because they've been accustomed to, they've been kind of prepped like an athlete for the journey and the transition. Now, the as the plant progresses in maturity, and let's just pick on the tomato plant, which is probably one of the most demanding nutrient-wise and and the most popular among everyone I've ever encountered is that, um, so something that's say a foot high, you know, the half a cup is fine. When they get up into maybe a, a foot and a half, two foot range, you can put a cup of nutrient dilution around the base of the plant once a week. 
you know, three feet and so forth. So depending on the variety, you may get fruit set, you know, earlier than later. Um, and, and so I would top out, say, about two and a half, three cups of dilution per plant, a tomato plant, once a week. And I liken it to a teenager at a refrigerator. So if you had, you know, a teenager standing there and go, I'm hungry. <laughs> they say, What's the matter? We fed you three weeks ago. So, you know, they, they need, you know, some support over time. You know, depending on soil, we have customers that maybe do it every, you know, 10 to 14 days. Uh, in their vegetable garden. So you could use this on berry bushes, same principle, grape arbors, um, you know, really any kind of vegetables. And I'm available, um, you know, on a limited basis with people, good folks like, you know, in Roger's show and here certainly, uh, that if people had specific questions instead of submitting those online, then just my number's online um, on our website under contact. Just give me a call and we can have a conversation about it. if there's anything else that needs to be filled in. I don't charge an extra penny for that. And, and that's available all year round for people. So, um, yeah, I was originally thinking a uh, sprayer, but it sounds more like I could just make it up, make it up in a bucket and then just take a little half cup measuring cup out there and scoop it out and just put it around the base of the plants once a week after I've watered well, first, right? Well, people that have, say, just maybe a handful of grow beds, that's a very good point, Jim. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a handful of grow beds, uh, then that method works fine. Uh, if people want to go to, say, a pressure sprayer where they have a, a backpack on, just be sure that it doesn't have pesticides and stuff in it. Right. And it's clean. Mm -hmm. And um, what I would do is I would do a little bit of a test with water in the backpack. And the same goes true of a inline hose sprayer you know those jobbers where you screw it into there and right. you dial in yeah, what your dilution right is mm -hmm. so i would apply the same principle there and so basically if you when you're just running water doesn't have to be at a fire hose pace but just you know an adequate spray mm -hmm. and what you do is you take a a known container say i don't know half a gallon or a gallon or something yep. and you time to see how long that takes to fill up with right mm -hmm. and so then you so if that's a i'm making this up so if it took a minute to do you know the whole gallon and you you know saying you want to figure out what a cup is worth and maybe it's three seconds so right. if you're you're having a power sprayer or an inline hose sprayer and you hold it on the plant and you're only applying one cup then you go 1001 1002 1003 and you move on to the next one now that's for you know more fruiting type plants but say if you just had lettuces, which don't have the same nutrient demand as the, as the tomatoes, then you can cut back and you get by with, you know, two capsules per gallon of water. And then you could kind of just do a, a wand spray, you know, like you're painting a car kind of thing. Okay. Uh, same thing with carrots and, you know, those kind of um, vegetables in the ground. Interesting. Now, um, Billy Goat in the chat room was asking, is there any kind of... Um, uh where did it go um any kind of live stuff like bacteria or anything else in this it didn't sound like it from what i saw on the website it looks like it's just vitamins minerals and uh things like that well well that actually many years ago we had a study done by the not an analysis a study done by the university of pennsylvania and what they discovered 
they, t they would run what was at the time called a gas chromatograph. And typically they're done with that kind of thing in about less than seven minutes. They were running this thing for over eight hours and they, they guesstimated because they, they couldn't afford to run it much longer than that, <laughs> neither could we. But they guesstimated over 10,000 micronutrient compounds. Wow. So it's the magic is in the micronutrient level. There's absolutely nothing toxic in it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, much of the material, because it's in these, you know, older humic fulvic acid compounds, that um, you know, that it was almost impossible for them to determine what these compounds were because of the age of the material and the references available to them at the time. So, it it just it it, it works its 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 thing. You know, that's the magic of it. So, and then the other thing I think is critically important. People often ask about the NPK or the nitrogen mm -hmm. uh, phosphorus potassium ratios right. and, and that was actually started as a myth in 1861 by a scientist by the name of von Beek from Germany and he had his theory was that that's all plants needed were those three components which are considered macronutrients and so um, he put that out there, and two years later, he recanted his work, and he said, I've sinned against the Creator. And he completely disavowed all of his work. But... The horse was uh, out of the barn. <laughs> yeah, but some years later, the ag industry, and they still use it to this day on occasion, right. they picked up his initial story in 1861, but they don't mention anything about him recanting his work. And so the NPK is fairly cheap to put together. There's really no lack of it, but that's the kind of thing that just destroys soil, turns it into concrete. You know, it's ruining the farms. It's killing the soil bacteria when that's all you're putting, you know, right. in, into the into the soil for the plants. So, um, you know, and, and that and so the NPK that we have, yeah, there's some in there. It's in, in low single digits. And so anyway, but it's. It's great stuff. We back it 100%. And I can honestly say that in 11 years since we've been online with this, um, the whole country never had one complaint other than people, you know, when they would see me in person at special events, they would uh, say, oh, yeah, I got a big beef with you. And my neighbors, they just shut their blinds when they see me coming with the basket of stuff to give to them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they have too much. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we take all our access to church, and it never never goes to waste. <laughs> that, that's so, fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. And uh, I think you said this can be frozen and multiple times, and it won't. It'll never hurt it. That kind of no, thing. No, not not at all. I mean, not that we recommend you do freeze it on purpose, but if you do. Right. You know, it's stuff happens. It's in the shed or whatever. Just bring it in, let it warm up naturally. Don't mm -hmm. throw it in a microwave, yeah. and just shake it up, and you're back in business and I'm again. I'm assuming high temperatures are pretty much, you know, within reason. You know, summertime and wherever, uh, no big, no issue there either. Right. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah now, the, the one caveat that I would mention is that um, the um, at times. Um, because it's a naturally occurring material and we don't have control over, you know, those kinds of things, some of the variations in it, mm -hmm. that there, there can be a, uh, in the, the bottle the way it is, there can be at times what, you know, is a strong sense of ammonia, okay? 
And, and that's typically from the breakdown of proteins. There may be an excess amount of proteins in there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt anything whatsoever. And by the time you get it um, diluted, you know, it's a, it's a non-issue. And, uh, you know, in a dilute form, you know, sometimes we'll have pets lap up a little few dribbles here or there and it doesn't hurt a thing. You know, you can use it on your lawns, very weak dilution. And, um, you know, and, and so if you don't have, say, big acreage, <laughs> then, you know, it, it could be a good option. It's also great for taking pet stains out of the lawn. You know, these yellow circles. Oh, okay. And uh, because there's so much carbon richness in the product, it will actually... Uh, attached to the uric acid in the urine and and neutralize it for one and assuming that the there is grass there that can, is capable of coming back up or you may need to recede mm-hmm. that it, w- it will fill in and it will green up and so you can do that say on a spot basis where they may be going um, to, to expel their urine mm-hmm. um, and then just hit that you know if, you know once a week or something like that and that should be enough to kind of control that awesome um let me open it up to board if if anyone on the line uh on the jitsi board has any questions when has anything you want to ask uh, john now would be the good time to do it go ahead and unmute and chime in and uh, we've got uh 43 folks here so hopefully somebody will have a question something <laughs> that i haven't asked already uh anyone out there wow We've done a great job. Awesome. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here we go. Go ahead. Hi, it's Ramona. Hi, Ramona. I I got a question. I have three dogs, and, you know, they do their business all day long. And I wanted to see, I have, like, dead patches. Would this work on it? Well, as I was just saying, that assuming the, you know, it, if there's grass that can grow back, that's there, okay, that it can fill in. Now, there's, there's nothing that we can do to, that the product will create the grass, right, if it's not there. And I call it dead, 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 so it's just barren. But in, in some cases where it looks barren, there's still grass, I'll call it just grass potential that's there, um, then that works fine. And so, you know, if you can get that, you know, reseeded, if it's... A, completely dead and and the the product is is very good at that again the same principle is you you water first and um and then apply that just sprinkling can or a power sprayer uh just a little bit one capful to a gallon of water and typically you know for the you know the lawns like that just once a week and it can be used overall for the, the lawn too but that's specifically how you'd want to apply that um, I did want to, before I forget, address, I think it was Billy that asked the question about anything live that you can transfer that, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing that's alive in there. Uh, some, sometimes there will be a foaming uh, of the product. There could be a, an expansion of the bottle if it's out in ex- excessive heat. Sometimes. And, and that's enzyme activity. Again, it doesn't hurt a darn thing. Just take the cap, you know, loosen it, the hair and mm-hmm. let it vent. Right. And it's totally fine. Actually, the enzymes will enhance, you know, it, it benefits the soil. So not to worry about it. But sometimes those kind of oddball things happen. But there's nothing purposely put into the product that some products have, which I'm not opposed to. My attitude is let's 
get this, you know, into the ground and feeding the, the bacteria that's there. And uh, when, once uh, Ramona is done, I'd like to share a freebie way to introduce, introduce some incredible uh, biodiversity to the soil. Well, Ramona, did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. And I think some of the patches were there, you know, when it was spring and the grass was coming out. But I guess as it was over 100 degrees and with their their business, it didn't help. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the uric acid. It just makes it so acidic that it just, that, that's why it yellows the grass. You know, you have a, an abundance of... Um, of, of that uh, thing that's uh, it, they're relevant to their urine. Thank you so much for for answering the question. Yeah, no worst worries. case scenario, just throw a little seed down there and then see if it uh, comes back. Hopefully, they're not going yeah. in exactly the same spot every time. I know my dogs have a tendency; they 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 seem to spread it out all over the yard. They don't they yeah. don't hit all at Which, one you spot. Know, I, yeah. What's that? There's three of them, and they usually go one after the other because, you know, the uh, supremacy You got a male thing. in there, and uh, they follow <laughs> the females around probably. Right. Yeah, I got a male and a female, and they they do the same kind of thing, but at least the female tends to go, you know, she pops in different spots, and then he just sort of comes along. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, yeah. Hey, John. Yeah. Yeah, this is Mike in Nebraska. Hi. Hey, Mike. Hey, bud. Actually, it was... Jim, it was Mike had called me yesterday. He yeah, said, oh, I talked I to him about it. I probably want to stick around on Jim's call. <laughs> and I also heard that from John in Wisconsin. So, um, good. Yeah. And thank, thanks to them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, John, I wanted to tell you, you had a great idea. Maybe, maybe you've already shared it. I apologize. I wasn't listening the whole half hour here. Um, however, you gave me a great idea on how to beef up your soil and your garden by going and getting soil from other areas and putting turboganic on it to enrich your own garden. Can you explain that? Uh, sure. Actually, that's what I was referring to just a few minutes ago. Um, okay. Sorry about that. And, and, but no, no, no. No, I was just going to embark on that. And, and But I'm thankful for you bringing that up, Mike. But here's the thing is that some soils have been so depleted or they've been hit with, um, you know, pesticides and herbicides and so forth, which there's none of that in the turboganic product. However, um, by bringing that bacteria back in again, this will help the, the soil. Uh, and, and what I'm about to recommend, I think, should boost that further, depending on how badly it's done. Now, the, um, so one way to increase your soil biodiversity and to just as an offshoot of this, there was, a, but there's a parallel universe that I always use as an analogy with soil and the human gut in terms of the, um, the biome of the gut, the biome in the soil. So without biome in the soil, not, you, you're in trouble. Nothing much is going to happen. That's how we got the Dust Bowl years ago in the Midwest. Uh, but anyway, if you think about this now, whether you live in the mountains, it's a slight variation than if you're in a flatland area. But basically, um, there was a study that was done between some um, tribal p 
people in, in Africa that were hunter-gatherers, and they compared their gut uh, biology to uh, American diet and the Americans. And so if you picture a bar chart where their biodiversity, I'm not talking about the, the, the bacteria count per se, but the, the number of different types, and there's tons and tons of different kinds of bacteria, whether it's in the soil, the human gut, and so forth. And so um, they compared that, and so the bar for the, the, the hunter-gatherers was up to the top of the page, whereas, say, compared to the average American, their biodiversity was the thickness of maybe about like a 50-cent piece. So, I mean, it was just so disproportionate. So think of the soil in the same light. So when you have a soil that's been depleted, you know, so just say not doing anything to it in terms of adding compost or other goodies to it um, in general, um, then what you can do is say if you're in a mountainous region, uh, and, and I remember my buddy John, when he was around, that he would, he would point up at the mountains where we're down at the base, and he said, do you think the vegetation changes as you go higher in altitude? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, do you think the biome of the soil changes as well? And I kind of scratched my head and I thought, well, I suppose it would. You know, I didn't know for a fact. So he says, well, yes, it does. So what he suggested, and we often do for people, now you can apply the same technique to the flatlands. Just go to an area that doesn't have crappy runoff on it. You know, it's out in the woods someplace. And there's just a diversity of vegetation. And so, say in the mountains or in the flatlands, you get yourself a couple of five-gallon buckets and a spade, and you just go out, you know, where you're, it's cool to do, where it's safe for you and everything, and, and just put some scoops in there and go to another location. Or in the case of the mountains, you go up to a higher altitude. So if you're doing in a mountain range, if you did, you know, 10 cuts or something like that, um, and if you had at least 10 locations on a flatland area, um, and it doesn't hurt if you know someone that's got very rich organic soil, just say, hey, can I have a few you know, scoops of your stuff? Now, once you get that put together, bring it home, put it onto a, um, say a, a plastic tarp or something, and then you have to mix the absolute daylights out of it. Don't spend just the two minutes on it, but really mix, 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 mix. Uh, kind of like a small cement mixer for, you know, maybe the equivalent of 10 minutes or so. But, um, and then from there, you take and put that dirt, about a third of it, into a five-gallon bucket, meaning a third of a five-gallon bucket, and then fill the rest of it, you know, within a couple of inches of the top of a, uh, just a tepid water, nothing too hot, nothing too cold, and just, and stir it up several times in the course of, say, a half a day and then let it settle overnight. Now, in the morning, the dirt obviously will settle, and what you have in that water, you've captured 80% of your soil bacteria, which is pretty cool. And so, pour that water off, save that. Uh, you can add a little bit of just any kind of sugar, you know, you want to use synthetic kind of sweeteners, but just uh, a regular uh, sugars. Uh, dissolve that and put that in there, maybe, you know, a couple of tablespoons perhaps because that's carbon and the bacteria love the sugar. And you can throw uh, 
you know, a capful of the, of the turboganic in there as well, you know, so they'll enjoy that. And then if you're, say, you, you haven't started planting yet, which most people have, especially out here, but whether you have or have not, it doesn't matter because you could apply this at any time through your growth cycle. So then what you do is you just water down your, your soil, you water down, you know, you watered your plants and so forth, and then just take some measure of that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a huge amount, but just kind of distribute it, you know, because you got this stuff for free, right? So the more the merrier, uh, but you don't have to flood it, and, uh, but don't be stingy with it either. And um, now you've introduced this wonderful bacteria that has, from your area, that's there in that area anyway, but it just may happen to be deficient in your particular plot or your raised beds, depending on how you've taken care of the soil. So, and like say in my condition, in my case, I've got, I've got five acres, and the very back of my property, I have an acre of trees. It's just woods. Nothing goes on back there. It's just, you know, it's, it's just woods. And if I was to, you know, my garden plot has been in the same spot for you know, at least 10 years. Now, we, um, mm -hmm. we replenish it from time to time with what I call equine gold, which is uh, horse manure that's made on the premises daily. And then it, uh, I have piles that, you know, two, three, four years old that I mix around and, you know, bring a, a front loader bunch of it over and dump it on and till it in. But if I go back into that woods area and just scoop up a you know a couple of bucketfuls of dirt from back there and do this process, so I'll be bringing up stuff that's basically in the woods, where I'm sure there's a lot of uh, bacteria activity in the soil uh, back there, a lot of loam and things like that. Uh, you think that would uh, bring some new life into my garden up here where it's at? Now, Jim, are you talking about in your garden area specifically where you're planting or on your five acres altogether? Well, no, just in that garden area. I just want to okay. kind of bring it back to life, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, all, all, all you need is, you know, depending on the size, you know, what size is your garden? The garden's only 20 by, you know, probably 15 by 20. Okay, well, that's I mean, that's a decent size. And so, you know, if you got yourself... Uh, you know, a few buckets of dirt, you know, mix it together and, you know, it's, you, you can't overdo the bacteria, put it right. that way. Mm -hmm. And then just do what I suggested in the way of the process and then just start, you know, moisten down the area, uh, whether it has plants in it already or not. And then you can just cover, the, you don't have to do it just around the plants, just cover all of the, the soil. Um, but be sure that it's, it's moistened first. I would prefer to do that, say, later evening when the the you know the sun's not uh intense to evaporate it mm -hmm. okay sounds like a plan and luckily um you know we got a lot of clay in this area you know the topsoil is but this area that i where the garden is because i've been putting the well we're putting our blooming minerals from longevity which is just humic shale um, mm -hmm. putting that in every year and then also the the manure uh, this year when I tilled the garden up, I could have basically broken it up with my hand. I could have just re reached down, you know, after it's been sitting all winter and just picked it up and turned it over uh, nice and fine and, nice. you know, nice. a lot of warm nice. activity and stuff. Uh, nice. So, 
So you know, the one one caution about manures, especially a lot of times people have chickens and so forth. Right. So, and most people know this, but not everyone, is that you, you, you always want to let your manure age. Yeah. You know, to compost it, because if you were to put fresh stuff on there, it's <laughs> too hot and you'll burn the hell out of your garden. Right. Okay. Um, the one thing about uh, horse manure is horses do not have the same, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. They don't have the same digestive tract right. as the, um, say, the cattle, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes the seeds can go with it, but generally when you're composting it, the, the heat is high enough that it should kill off any right. potential weed seeds and so forth that could be attached to the, the, the horse manure in that case. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you're doing is by having clay, you're aerating that. Uh, what you might want to consider also is to get some coarse washed sand if you feel if you feel that you need some um, additional aeration in your soil in terms of drainage so sometimes people have a very sandy soil and it drains too quickly in which case it's not a bad idea to add some clay mm -hmm. you know broken up clay so that that's a good balance so generally speaking uh, as just a, an overview of soil to have say a, a third clay, a third of, of compost material, and a, a, you know a third of manures if you want to throw in there. Okay, mm -hmm. and so those things, and especially in the fall, you could let that kind of sit over the winter. You can moisten it down, create some piles like that, yeah. and just fill that into the ground. So that's that's kind of a, a quickie way to uh, fix soil. Say later in the year. Um, but for now, you know, we've had, um, you know, things certainly respond in, in even heavy clays. Keep in mind one thing about um, clay, heavy clay will bind iron. And iron is a catalyst for the release of other basic nutrients that the plants need. But the, the good news is with the turboganic, we've actually developed our own uh, hand-prepared form of uh, a liquid iron uh, that you know is integrated into the product so that benefit is there already for the if it's clay or soil if it's not there it doesn't hurt a thing Ooh, cool well, man that's interesting and yeah our our, our manure is always uh, you know, the stuff i usually put on there is uh, several years old um, mm -hmm. and, no it's great yeah actually if, if you could ever put your hands on um, say llama or rabbit poop mm -hmm. that's really good stuff because they have a very good digestive system even deer but you know who wants to go out into the woods and with a, <laughs> a little scooper you know <laughs> but we've had we've had some rescue farms um you know in our region that have several llama and they got llama poop coming out of their ears and rabbits too so yeah, if you can get that you know you want to let it age you know but it's great stuff I have a friend at church who has llamas and alpacas. I might mm -hmm. have him uh, bring in a bucket or a bag or something because I'm sure they've got plenty too. <laughs> They're yeah. probably happy to get rid of. <laughs> now, uh. now, one last thing I could think of, Jim, is um, relative to people where they're getting, say, compost in a bag or even soil in a bag right. um you know from a big box store perhaps and and it could be labeled as organic and if you look on there it'll say uh pathogen free okay which is fine 
But what that also means is they've cooked it to such right. high temperature, they've killed anything beneficial in it. Yeah. So this is all the more reason to, you know, try to add back in some, some relevancy. And there's some wonderful products out there that, you know, have uh, mycelium and uh, in, in other basic um, bacteria, uh, fungi structure that's beneficial for gardens. Uh, so that can be added in. And, and, and also there's a product out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin that has gained some popularity over the years called Milorganite. And if you look carefully at the back bottom of the bag, it says that. And it says this is from municipal waste treatment, Ooh. human waste, all right? And so it's, it's black, they've cooked it, they've done this and that with it. And the, the big, one of the big problems I have with it is you really don't know what's in that material. It was a cheap way for municipalities to get rid of their waste. Uh, and Milwaukee was the front runner on this uh, to get rid of their waste. So because it's extremely expensive to haul this stuff away and put it into a landfill, because many times they've outlived or um, they no longer have the space to expand as there's been more and more residential expansion. Right. So. That's what they've done now. They had to create them. And they said, well, we got this shit lying around. What can we do with it? You know, maybe we can make some money from it. Yeah. And we don't have to pay to have it all the way. So uh, anyway, so there's those bags that are out there. And one of the things that's problematic is that if you think about it, with all the drugs that everyone's taking, um, it ends up in the pot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's legal or illegal, it doesn't matter. And those kind of things cannot be filtered out in conventional um, waste treatment plants. They're not that sophisticated. Um, it, 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 people just think, oh, of course they have. And a lot of the drinking water comes that way too, you know, recycled um, waste of various sorts. So just to be careful there. And in um, California, that um, I know that they have where, say if someone is certified organic, that they're allowed up to 10% of this milorganite in their product so you really have to it's good to know <laughs> who you're getting your stuff from yeah. um, and so it could have that material as long as it doesn't exceed 10 percent they don't have to list it i've heard that they've been somewhere in this country i'm not sure exactly and, and where, people will often are... ask and say well are your certified you know product certified organic probably will never do that it, unfortunately it's become very corrupt the whole system yeah. and it's all about the money and control that the, 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 the. and I know a lot of farmers that just backed away from that because they, the price to play uh, has become too expensive for them. I've actually heard of some states that are allowing uh, this bio sludge from cities to be and I think that's what they actually call it is bio sludge to be sprayed on farm fields with you know food you know plants that are grown for human consumption. And That's right. Unbelievable what's going on. That's right. And then also be extremely careful. Uh, some of the uh, municipal landfills, they have a, where they're, most of them do, where they're recovering, say, leaves and branches and grass clippings and that kind of thing. And that's going into, you know, their, um, you know, green recycling center, right? And I remember having a conversation with a manager some time ago here. And, and I said, so what do you, you know, where does this stuff coming from? He said, oh, golf courses here and there and this and that. 
So you know for a fact that people, that stuff is being sprayed like crazy, yeah. you know, with all kinds of chemicals, and, and they have no control. They don't know what's coming in, and, and so they grind it up, and they, they, they cure it out, turn it over, and that type of thing, and then they, they just give it away. You know, and so, you know, that's one way for them to dispose of this material. And, and I've had customers that implemented that and, you know, I'd pay them a visit and I said, and they said, everything just died, John, what happened? And I said, and we go through this conversation about that part of it. And they go, oh yeah, we got some of this from the landfill last year. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I said, you need to, you know, to, to excavate this stuff out. You know, it's just a small garden, so it's not like it was two feet down. But I said, I just get rid of that stuff. And, and I said, then just put some new good stuff in. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> well, anybody else have any questions yeah. for John? I got a question. Yeah, yeah I go do. ahead. Was that Samuel? Was that you? Yeah. Go ahead. Samuel. Hey, Samuel. Uh, hi, John. Hey, uh, would you have the time to expound on the azotobacter? Um, not really. No. Okay. Jim? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this is Dave. Uh, You said bio-sludge. Actually, they call it bio-solids. I called Home Depot last week, you know, questioning their fertilizer. And uh, all their organics, it all all says bio-solids. And I asked the gal if she knew what that meant. And I said, she said no. Mm -hmm. And I said, can you look it up? And she did, and it said, you know, it, it's from uh, sewage uh, waste treatment plants. And I said, do you know what that means? She said, not really. I said, they're, they're washing the poop that people poop in their toilet. And now, you know, my, I know people that are on chemo and radiation. They're taking those pills. They're, it's, you can't be around pregnant women or children, right? Oh, yeah. And they're pooping that stuff in their toilets and their caregivers that are cleaning their toilets are getting sick from it. And that's going right into the sewage waste treatment plants. And then they put it in the fertilizer and call it organic. Mm-hmm. They wash it maybe with some soap, you know, but, <laughs> you know, and like John said, there's three, they've done studies, college students have, gone to 300 municipalities around the country and tested the water. There's over 300 chemicals from pharmaceutical drugs in the, in the water. Yeah. It's in the water that mm-hmm. they're, we're drinking. Yeah. What goes down somebody's um, so toilet eight hours later the, comes out your, it's in the your poop. faucet. Yeah, absolutely so true. That's what the, we're buying from Home Depot and you know, Miracle Grow or whoever, whatever it is they're selling us, it's all literally, literally, literally. literally. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. excellent, years, excellent point, Samuel. Yeah, a couple of years ago, they actually had a video. Sorry about that. It was called Biosludged, and they were actually showing where they had these uh, trucks with big sprayers. And it was literally stuff that came from uh, sewage plants, and they just load it up and liquefy it and spray it on on farms. But they were calling it bio sludge, so now they've got biosolids as the new.
politically correct term. Sl solid sounds a lot better than sludge. <laughs> People are more likely to put that on their garden, I guess. Yeah, but it's the in, same in stuff by any different name. Distant uh, universe is kind of like. U.S. citizen versus national, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but what's the difference between solid and sludge, right? Solid is log, <laughs> yeah, and sludge okay. is diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to, to the average Bubis Americanus, solids sounds a lot better than sludge. <laughs> sure it yeah. does. I mean, I... I, I would, you, would you rather drink a poop... Eat, would you rather eat a poop stick or drink a diarrhea cup? <laughs> <laughs> have so you, you stopped beating your right? wife yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. yikes Good grief. But hey, they so try to they just try to get you every which day. way they can um, yeah i think yeah, some, somebody do. else did. every which way but loose <laughs> well that's sludge <laughs> <laughs> anyway hey, so anybody else questions? got any questions billy go go ahead uh, so, well, actually right before my question, um, I just, for what it's worth, I'm not a fan of grass, but I have to keep my grass in good shape for the homeowners association. And there was a patch of it that I, I don't know, somebody dumped diesel fuel on it or something 20 years ago, or a bag of, uh, salt for melting the sidewalk, something, but I could put down as much grass seed as I wanted there and even bags of top soil and it would never grow. And finally I learned a trick that uh, you do it right before winter time. And so I put a whole bunch of seed and then some topsoil, like maybe half an inch or so of it on top, raked it around, whatever, in November, maybe. And finally, that area grew grass this spring, and it's been doing pretty good. So I don't know why it works so much better. So, Billy, let me ask you, so what, what, what again did you put in the, in the dirt then? I didn't put anything in it. I was just saying that I maybe the point was uh, that I was able to finally grow grass because you guys were talking about it with the animals that would make the bad patches and stuff like that. And if right. it's you, you called it dead, dead, dead. Yeah. And so I, I had been facing that for a while. So I, um, it was just a, a side point before my question here that I was finally able to grow some grass in a dead, dead, dead area by putting the seed down and some dirt on top of it, but doing it in the uh, before winter right. instead of in the spring anytime i do in the spring i don't know all the birds get it and it just it never works so for what it's worth so no. so here on that on that particular okay. point billy that um one thing we've had success with you can do a little bit of research in terms of what's available to you you know you know a good seed producer okay or distributor and um if you get something that's called um, cover crop, and there's a, an incredible diversity, this is another way quickly to build up your soil. And this stuff can be put in, say, in the fall, in the way of, of you know, break up your ground, level it out, kind of pool table-ish, if you will, and then spread out your, your seed and, um, and water it down. And these cover crops that are suitable for your area um, and that include things like, you know, buckwheat or oats or uh, soybeans and corn and all kind of goodies like that. It, it just as, as a cover crop, it covers quite a broad area. And a lot of these things will actually pull in the toxins out of the soil. And, um, and so what happens is that um, 
and 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 then in terms of the birds because you could still have a problem if the weather's decent say if it's come in in the later fall even as long as the ground's not frozen you're okay and and so you just cover that up and and then i would take the flat back of a rake and then just kind of go back and forth over it so that you've covered the seeds and so typically we discovered that the birds then won't bother it if they see something that's there then yeah they'll go after it and so if you just kind of wet it down a little bit and this stuff will come up in the next season and and we just had and then you can get it up to say knee high and then just you know you may have to do some chopping and and turning it into the soil but now you've got fresh enzyme green energetic plants and and it's it i call it living compost um and it, it really does a, hell of a job nice yeah i was doing something similar to that um otherwise i can always just go around at night and cut out chunks of nice grass from my neighbor's lawns and use those those uh then i know they're growing well (laughs) they'd never guess it was me the next day okay so uh, my question is is there okay sounds like the turboganic is good for anything and one of my earlier thoughts and questions was that you kind of addressed here was could it be mixed with oh say sometimes when people will get a a drum right a 55 five gallon drum or big bucket or something and they'll put like old uh clippings and stuff like that they might put the dead fish guts or something in there and they're letting some some something stew right they'll get some live stuff and they make a liquid fertilizer and so i'm thinking oh, okay you could mix the turboganic with that and this and various things right it all makes better so that kind of morphs into my question now here is there anything you do not want to do with turboganic so that it, you would maybe by itself it's okay and something else is okay but when you put them together now you're going to uh, it's going to be too hot and burn it out or something along those lines. Well, a good question, Billy. Um, anyway, the, you know, my take on it is that from my experience with this for 20 years is that I've, I've not seen it incompatible with anything, unless you're going to go weird on me, you know, like, well, I tried this in chicken soup, you know, but as, as long as we're sticking to the vegetative part of things, I've not seen it uh, incompatible. Um, but keep, and again, keep in mind that if you expect whatever you're going to put in there to break down and, and you need to be able to give it air, right? Um, if you're, that's why you want to turn a compost pile or people have these drums and they stir them, uh, or crank them every now and then, however, you're going to do that to aerate it. Uh, and then you, you, you can take, as you say, peeling away the layer or moving the drum, you know, just take a weak dilution of the turbo a capital to a gallon of water and sprinkle that in there and then turn it and do that. You know, anytime you're going to be, you know, airing that drum or turning your pile in the ground. So it feeds the bacteria in that compost material, so it will break it down more quickly and more efficiently. Ah, I didn't even think of that, that you could feed the compost before using it for the plants. I was just thinking. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. That's a great idea. Anybody else have any other questions? Hey, Jim. Hey, go ahead, sir. <laughs> uh, Alan, is that I you? was just wondering if uh, kind of, I guess, what he's saying is there's really no need to 
add minerals or anything else like that to the soil other than like the natural, like he's talking about making compost or the turbo organic? Well, the, you know, obviously you, you don't want to dump 10 tons of zinc in there, right? And so mineralizing it, you know, if there's other things that you're fond of, I, you know, people, I've, I've seen people growing with molasses, you know, different kinds of plants, uh, let's say more medically oriented, uh, you know, molasses, uh, ocean water, and, you know, some, some pretty interesting things, you know, that I've seen happen. But, uh, you know, it, as I said before, it could be a standalone product in, in time. It'll break up the soil on its own because it invites in the bacteria. Uh, one of the other things that you can do is kind of a, a living additive, because I, I love the idea of permaculture, but it takes a while for that stuff to, to happen, to make that magic, uh, a few years actually. But, um, you know, if you got these, some of these uh, red worms, they use for bait, and uh, you can put some of those under, say, a, a hardwood stump, uh, you know, don't crush them, but under a hardwood stump, and they will actually migrate through an entire garden. And so they're, they'll burrow in and you know, open up um, the airwaves, if you will, underground. Um, so you know, there's, there's things that, you know, sometimes people add, add worm castings, if that's something that they're fond of. Um, so I, I don't, you know, unless you go to extreme excessives, I, I don't see any of that stuff hurts. If you just look at nature, take a walk in nature and go, okay, well, what's, you know, if I walk through here, what am I stepping on? You know, pick it up, look at it, smell it, literally. Um, you know, sometimes you find these forest floors that have, you know, a foot of stuff on there. And that's the cycle of life. And so this is just a way to kind of um, embellish that, to move it along more quickly, to provide that, that nutrient, to, to give it a, a, a gap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what about like... Uh wood ash uh, people used to you know clean out their fireplace and all and they would always put that on the garden old folks would and nobody really does that anymore but yeah, i do the wood ash basically is just the minerals that's left yeah once you burn, well, burn trees or wood well the, the wood ash you can actually uh soak in water and then that's what's used as the potash Okay, mm -hmm. uh, which is in a, a lot of fertilizers. They do it synthetically. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, it, it may take a while in its raw state to break it down. I, I think that the hardwoods are probably better than the softwoods uh, if you have mm -hmm. a choice. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, you can mix that in or you could soak it in, uh, you know, hot water, or, you know, water for a while, stir it up over a period of time. And so if you wanted to put it into a liquid phase, uh, and 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 the, the idea with the liquid phase is just of anything it just distributes better than a solid wood, and also it's it's much more readily available to the soil bacteria. And also, Alan, so could, um, the minerals you know, besides helping the plants grow, that stuff also ends up in the fruit, and that's the important stuff because if if the soil doesn't have the minerals in it, they won't be in the fruit, right. and that's where you're getting your nutrition from. Yeah, there's right. 60 essential well, okay. minerals, and you you put those in the soil. That's why I put blooming minerals from Longevity in there because that's the prehistoric mm -hmm. you know shale that ends up in your fruit. And I've mentioned this before. I can I can take one of my tomatoes and a tomato from the grocery store, 
put them both in a uh, dish of water, mine will sink like a rock and theirs will float because theirs have no mineral content and mine is loaded with them. And that means mine's going to be much more bioavailable food for the body. So the more minerals you have in there, I mean, you can't hurt it. And the more you get, the more is going to be taken up by the plants and end up in the food that you're consuming. So that's always a, a very important thing. Yeah, very good. Very good point. Um, what, you know, the mechanics is simplified is that when the plants are going through photosynthesis, mm -hmm. they're, uh, you know, think of it like a, a, a pump with a, a, a synergistic relationship with the bacteria and the plant and the ground, right? Yeah. are the roots in the ground. So the plant goes through photosynthesis. It's it's delivering sugars through its root system to the bacteria, which they use as a as a supplement unto themselves. Now, if there's, assuming that you do have minerals, now obviously if you have boulders in there, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah. But you have something that's more bioavailable. It's the the bacteria that will transform the minerals to hand that off to to the plants and depending if you get into some really fine stuff the the plants you know may be able to take that up themselves yeah and that's the that's the beauty of the longevity's uh, uh, bloom and minerals is they are plant derived to start with that's where the humic shale came right. from and right. because of that it's easily absorbed by the uh, by the plants and that's why i think this is a fantastic combination where just you have just the minerals, but with the uh, uh, turboganics, it also has the other things that support the um, the biome in the soil. And you got to have the bacteria action and the life action down there to help the plants take up the minerals. So that's why I think these two things together will be a phenomenal combination. Right. Now we do have a a, a, a very good amount of minerals within the product itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, in addition to the the iron concentrate that I mentioned, which is extremely beneficial for the release of other nutrients, the humic uh, fulvic acid is a lot of times they're selling products that are labeled as humic acid and they're typically an amber color like dark urine. That's fulvic acid. It's not humic acid. Humic acid is very dark. And that's one of the reasons our stuff is so dark. Um, and so it's that blend, but the extraction process, that's why it took my partner, John, uh, 10 years, how to figure out how to pull it apart and then put it back together again in, in, in a very complex material. And that's why one of the reasons it works so well. In addition, he researched about 1,500 varieties of sea vegetation in the world and isolated one variety that did, really did the job because they have different characteristics. And so that's the only thing we import. We do an extraction of that and add that into the product as well. So it's it's extremely well rounded, well balanced that way. But if you have other things that you're you're fond of and are getting results for you, you know, go for it. And um, on that that note, you know, a lot of times people bring about putting eggshells into the ground, and I would say that as a general practice is a total waste of time. And I know maybe people would be gasping over that. But the reality is it takes a long, long time for eggshells to break down. Uh, went to a, a big egg producer uh, several years ago, and I don't know, they did like a million eggs a week or something, you know, restaurant industry and all that stuff. 
And so I said, what do you do at your, we were there to get some eggshells for some research. He says, you see that pile over there? He says, help yourself. I said, what the heck you do with all this stuff? He said, well, we take it out in, in, in double dumpsters and we dump it out into these, spread it around onto these adjacent farm fields they have a relationship with or they own it. And, and I said, so what do you see when you go back the next year? He said, the eggshells are still there. So we oh, just yeah. put another layer on and he said, you know, over this time, he said, we probably could land a 747 on it. <laughs> and so and so the way in which to utilize eggshells, though, is really interesting. I learned this from my, my buddy, John. And um, basically, you know, get yourself a bunch of eggshells. You can rinse them off, let them dry if you feel like it. Throw them into a blender. It's, it's probably a good idea. Let them dry well, then put them in the blender. Mm -hmm. and, and just pulverize them. You don't need flour consistency just small granules and say if you want to take a cup of that or half a cup however you want to work out the ratio and you take it outside put it in a five gallon bucket and if you had a gallon uh, i'm sorry a, a cup of the eggshell pulverized put that in the bottom add one gallon of household vinegar i don't care i was just gonna say <laughs> white white <laughs> or brown it doesn't matter put that in there it's gonna foam it should foam like crazy and then you just want to stir 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 you know, it may take a few hours and then until it stops pretty much gurgling and then you add an equal amount of water and stir that up, let it sit overnight. The egg cell residue will be at the bottom and in the morning you'll pour off that liquid and that's what you keep. It doesn't matter what you do with the solids left. And what you have in hand is an organic form of what's called calcium acetate. Don't let the acetate scare you. That's a that's what vinegar is. It's an acetate product, so right. it's safe. Come from acetic um, acid. But anyway, that's a, a concentrate now. That's a concentrate. So you can, you know, and that will keep for a long, long time. You can put it in the smaller containers, however you want to use it. You can use it to prep your garden. If you're, uh, some of your produce, like tomatoes, peppers, have what's called blossom end rot, this very dark ring underneath or on sometimes the side. Um, you can put that into the the soil in advance if you think that that's going to be problematic again for you this year. Um, a couple of three treatments and just take a, a, a small cup of this and throw that into a gallon of water um, and then just apply that to, to the soil. Uh, I wouldn't mix it directly with the turbo, but w separate out in the soil, they, they're fine together. And, um, and then just, um, and, and then also if you have an event where you're, um, doing the blossom end rot during the season just because it, it, it doesn't hurt the produce you know to eat it you just cut that part off but if you want to check it it won't reverse it but if you want to check it then just put some of that uh, calcium down there usually you know once every week or so um, I wouldn't go sooner than that but say at least once a week a couple you know three times that should cure the problem John, I got a couple of questions in the chat room. I want to hit you with real quick. Uh, Monique wants to know if it's possible to repair the soil in a raised bed. She's got a box growing, uh, walking kale, and the soil's always dry like sand. How do you make it more loamy? <laughs> okay, good question. Um, so let's assume that the the, the side walls, you know, I, I've, I've sometimes I've seen them three feet high, but let's assume that you're just about a foot high or so sometimes people use lumber and uh, you know other configurations but uh if you were to take that and um you know just get some decent 
um, you know, packaged compost uh, and, and mix that in there with some, some you know, some good soil, you know, and just mix that in well. And keep in mind that just when you add that, the bacteria over time will break the, the organics, meaning the compost material down. And um, so, you, yeah, you can revive the soil, use the technique we talked about earlier, uh, as far as going to harvest some, you know, biological elements. I would tend to build it up because I guarantee that it will settle on its own to begin with. And as the organics, you know, um, you know, degrade over time, then those, um, th that soil will go down and, and begin to pancake out for you. So you'll want to replenish that. So I'm assuming, and although some people have, you're not on top of concrete or steel plate, which I've run into. So as long as you've got stuff underneath, and I would, you know, ideally, I would not bring the box up above the ground, ideally, because this way, at least you're able to tap into the, you know, the drainage, you know, through the soil. And I've seen people use, uh, you know, weed cloth, you know, underneath with some kind of a mesh. If you have to get it off the ground, some people just can't bend over. So they want to have it where they could work at it. But, you know, you want to have an adequate amount of dirt in there, though. Okay. And uh, Victoria is asking if you know of any super-duper gardening books that you could recommend. There are a lot, uh, <laughs> for sure, okay. Um, but it's really simpler than many people would think. And I work with a lot of people that have one young lady, I'll never forget. She says, I've never, and she was in her early 20s, she said, I've never picked up a shovel in my whole life. I go, where in, what planet were you on? She says, <laughs> she said, Manhattan yeah, high rise. I, say, I said, York okay, <laughs> I get it. You know? And so we, we gave, them, gave her some pointers, you know, where to get started, which is really pretty simple. It's not that complicated. And, uh, you know, she followed the instructions, came back later. She just bounced it off the wall. She said, I'm growing something that's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, for a lot of people, that is quite the uh, experience. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I never grow tired of the stories. Uh, you know, listening to people and their successes or taking their failures and turning it in. My motto is there's failure is not an option. You know, we just figure out a way, you know, play detective, figure out a way mm -hmm. uh, to make it work. So a lot of times people take pictures and uh, I encourage them to put their hand in it with their finger pointing to show me the problem and uh, or even do a short video with a little narrative and text that to me. And then we have a conversation, but it doesn't work to say, here's a picture of a plant. I have no context of what it is. And, and then they'll go, uh, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, expecting mm -hmm. me to give a six word reply. Yeah. Uh, you know, that doesn't work. So it needs a, you know, somewhat of a back and forth, play a little bit of a detective, but you know, I enjoy it. So awesome. All right. Anybody else have any questions? This has been great. Yeah, looks. I guess everybody's tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if, if people have you know any issues, just you know, you they feel free to give me a call, um, leave a message for me. You know, because it's a busy time for us. But uh, I always try to make time to get back with people. And and honestly, whether you you, you get product from us or not, it doesn't matter to me. Yes. I have a question. Is this Nat? Hi. Yeah, Hi. Go ahead. 
there, there's uh, somebody sent a link about the lawns. It's some kind of fertilizer um, a little bit early. Um, I, I think maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. Um, it, that's not organic. I try to stay or, as an organic as I can. Mm-hmm. Is that organic? It's a, it's a link to Walmart. It's some kind of that's, That was a link to show you that was the... the the mill organite mill organite stuff that's you want to stay away from that <laughs> i just put it in there to show that yeah it's being sold everywhere even at walmart but that's the human human poop stuff uh you okay. want to avoid that oh yeah okay does anybody have any suggestions of what to put in i mean i've been gardening for probably three or four years now mm-hmm. and yeah i'm in zone 10 um but i've been doing very well my Watermelons have always done really well um, for the last couple of years, um, but I have another raised garden that's pretty dry. It, we just started working on that. Um, I've been using it for the last since winter, but um, I just got to get more organic stuff or make it more, like she said, fluff or something like that in the dirt. It's pretty dry. Yeah, yeah you'll definitely want definitely want to add compost. Um, mm-hmm. To that, to the if if you, your other garden, if that's what you're referring to. Yeah, I have and, two gardens, uh, two areas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So one of them I've been know, working for four years, three four years, and this one's just a new one. Mm-hmm. But you know, and even as you say, come fall, you know, throw a whatever the um, you know get a good mix of cover crop. Okay, um, and so there is. Um, uh, you can't, in my opinion, you can't overdo it. And so they'll say, oh, you know, it's a quarter, I'm making this up, you know, a pound per, you know, thousand square feet or something like that. I'd put three or four times the amount uh, that they generally recommend on the packaging for the cover mm-hmm. crop. And it, it's quite a sight to see come springtime where this stuff comes in and it, it will come in hard uh, and fast. And it, it's a beautiful sight to see. It really is. And and then that you just you can you can cut it down um, or you can turn it in. You don't have to let it go to two three feet, but even if you get say you know a, a, a foot growth out of it, and you have a way to turn that in, whether it's by hand and 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 because then the the roots will rot, the the, the vegetation will rot um, in in a fairly short period of time. And so you you know if you do the handle that in the early spring, and if you want to. Um, say if you maybe preheat the ground, you could throw some plastic on it. You know, as long as you don't have the the, the, the leaf structure coming up, uh, because they need the photosynthesis. But you know, if you, you want to kind of keep that warmish, you know, throw some black plastic on it if, if the seeds haven't come up, come up, and, it, well, and the, the winter the winter's lagging a little bit. I've done that with the watermelon. I just it's just taking all that crazy now. I've done that every year, so it's been doing really well on that. The problem I do have, I have these slugs that are so nasty, um, and it hasn't eaten my garden up. I mean, it's been like this for like a couple years. I don't know how to get rid of those ugly slugs. They're just all over. So here's a suggestion. So this is a, um, one is a little gross, and the other one is more benevolent. So um, I'll give you both. So hopefully no one's squeamish about it, but you can take some slugs and I would take, say, uh, a, a grill that's, you know, not a fancy uh, 
one at all. And I would get get an old uh, pan, like a from a thrift store or something. It's a Teflon mm -hmm. pad, and and I would get some those snails and I would crush them up, and I would put them in the pan, and um, you know dry them out, you know into a, like a powder. You know keep playing with them and get them into a powder state. And so you can spread that around the perimeter of your garden, and the, the it won't hurt the snails. But um, is and this is especially good if you don't like your neighbor, because then they'll go visit somewhere else. I have a raised garden, so it's stuck there. So, you know, I mean, I, when I whenever I dig, it just overturned the the dirt. They're there. They're all over. The, the other thing you can do if you want to capture them and then dispose of them is that, so just you're going to have to bear with me visually here, but say if you were to take, say, hmm, you know, maybe a, a two-inch PVC pipe, you know, something maybe about 10, 12 inches long, and you'll get a cap, you know, that they glue typically onto the ends, and you'll cut that cap in half so you have two half moons. And then you'll put that on the ends, and you could use little screws if you want to. If you want to glue it on, it doesn't too much matter. So that the, the two halves, the moon shapes, are in sync with one another. So basically, you have a half moon with a half open the top that mirrors the other side. Does that make sense so far? Kind of. Kind okay. of. And um, anyway, so and then what you do is you'll take, say, some ground-up mush slugs, and put that uh, in into that, that, that these guys are smushed. And, uh, and I would put some damp newspaper, shredded newspaper in there a little bit. You don't need to pack the hell out of it, but you know, fill it up that way. And then put these sporadically, you know, depending on the size of what you're trying to cover, put them sporadically in the ground so that the, the solid part of that cap that we've cut in half is at the lower part. So the slugs come along and they go, and they start sniffing. They go, oh, that sound looks smells pretty good. And 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 so they'll go in, and they don't have the brains to get out. Um, yeah. What we've seen, and so then you just need to check that periodically, and then just you know dump them someplace and whatever you want to do with them. Okay, they're still nasty. It's like, I, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They don't they don't like to truck across copper. So if you've got a a raised bed, you could put a copper strip along the top or the edge, and that uh, they won't they won't cross that. It's That's kind of hard. Point. How would you do that with a raised garden because they're down deep in there? Well, I'm assuming are, are they, they're getting in over the edge, so maybe not. No, they're kind of, they're way down deep. I mean, it's, when I'm prepping the the dirt for the next season. They're down deep. I mean, I have to. I pull them out. I squish them. I just constantly throwing them out and squishing. Are you them. sure they're slugs? Well, the, what were they? I guess they're slugs. They're really thick. They look like worms, but they're really thick. Mm, you got something else, I think. It sounds like grubs. Oh, grubs! Yes, yeah, I think they're grubs. Yeah. I'm so sorry, grubs. Okay. <laughs> sorry about do, that. There do you have slugs. a lot of June grubs. bugs? Grubs. Do you have a lot of June bugs in the summer? <laughs> Uh, it goes. They fly around every so often. Because the June bugs, that's 
grubs come from a June bug. That's a, sl- you know, them slugs or grubs. That's a June bug. Um, larva. You know, when it, uh, whatever, when, They're you know, larva. when it, it, it's larva, it grows, that turns into a June bug. So lime, limestone, you know, oh, yes. a powdered or granulated limestone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. You know, if you put that in a spreader and, you know, put that on your lawn, that that will help dry up, and then that that it's supposed to get rid of the the grubs or the June bugs or whatever. Okay. You just do the same thing in your raised beds. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. I get mixed. I just know that they're nasty. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I don't blame you at all. If you have dead yellow spots in your grass, that's where you've got grubs also. When you dig down in there, it's so we we fight them a lot here in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Anybody else? Any more questions for John? Well, and I don't really, I guess, have a question, but I, this is Brenda. I was just going to say we just ordered two quarts of your good stuff, and uh, I've shared it with my sister and my daughter because my daughter has a pretty good-sized garden, so we're anxious. And we've got just a small raised uh, bed that we've got potatoes growing and some squash plants. Mm-hmm. So, have lots of flowers and all put them on everything. On the on the grubs, the a parasitical nematode might clean those up. Hmm. There you go. Mark, okay, Mark you got that. something? You. Does anybody have any good squash bag? Without putting poison stuff on it, you know, an organic way. If I, I may, I think, we find if you mineralize the soil, your plants don't become bug food anymore. Right. Yeah. Most most bugs don't have pancreases, so they can't de- deal with high sugar content. And when you put the the blooming minerals in your garden, it boosts the sugar content of your plants, and then they don't the bugs go other places because they can't eat it. Right. It's called the bricks. The bricks value raises the credit. Yeah, yeah. Conceiv- on that on that point, Jim, that mm-hmm. conceivably you could take uh, you know some you know a, a, a mix, if you will, with water, uh, you know, molasses or something like that, and uh, add that to the ground. You know, you're know, yeah. not going to do like pancake syrup, but you know, just a little bit, mm-hmm. and so that certainly would add sugar into the ground. That's not going to typically hurt anything unless you go overboard and uh so that could you know be their demise as well a lot of times people have problems with something called aphids these little white mm-hmm. creatures yeah and um so again there's a morbid way and, and <laughs> less <laughs> harmful way but um to uh i remember my buddy john they had uh he set up the first greenhouses at the university of utah many years ago and so they were having an infestation with the aphids. So they got a, a bunch of ladybugs and they 
gave him a ride in a blender with some water <laughs> and they strained it and then came up with a spray and um, the aphids <clears throat> didn't want to be there anymore because they smelled their enemy. Uh. And uh, the more humane method is a uh, something called, um, uh, it's a product I've seen in the refrigerated section of uh, the farm stores. Um, and, and I forget what the heck it's called, but uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. And it's, a, um, it, it's centered around something called lacewing. And lacewing is a uh, you know, living, tiny creature. Uh, and they put ladybugs in there. They put in a refrigerated section. And then they keep them uh, dormant that way. And so the, la these, um, the ladybugs are kind of the front soldiers. They, they have no loyalty. They're adults. You know, they'll take off you know, after a short time. But the aphids, um, I'm sorry, the, 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 uh, the lace wings will stick around, and, but they'll go after any kind of mite, you know, like spider mite, the aphids, and, you know, half a dozen other things, too, and they'll stick around most of the season. So that's a, 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 can be beneficial. And, um, and, and I, I read about one fellow that star, uh, started a way to cultivate ladybugs and he created a ladybug hive of sorts you know this wasn't not like your beehive but just a place for them to nestle to lay their their eggs and so the adults have no loyalty so they'll take off but the young ones that come out that's their home turf now so they're more likely to stick around for a while um so you know it's uh, that, that's all beneficial to work for them if I may. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. I I have a lady friend that um she she lives in Colorado. She's you know been living out she lives on the at the home where she grew up. Is Pam and she's eighty four year she'll be eighty three here uh coming up in June and uh she grows you know, her mother had these rose bushes all she's got two or three lots and it's just a, a jungle of you know, gardens, plants, and everybody just freaks out over her, her garden. And she just, I was talking to her the other day, she just bought her annual 300 ladybugs in a, like a mesh pouch, like John, you were saying, in the refrigerated section. And she said if you release them early in the morning or, you know, in the evening when, you know, with the dew, when the sun is, you know, not totally up, um, they stay where you put them and they kill they eat those aphids and they're they're very a beneficial um insect so for the garden so she buys those every year and there she has the most beautiful rose bushes you know in the county and uh she said yeah if you put them out in the afternoon and it's dry they'll they'll scatter but if you release them when it's you know with the dew early in the morning or, you know, later in the evening, um, they stick around and she has them for the whole season and her rose bushes are, you know, people come from all over to, to view her garden. That's so awesome. I, I yield. Got a question from Victoria for anybody. Anybody know how to deal with clothes, moths, <laughs> clothing moths, I guess it is. Uh, without using yeah, toxic take chemicals. Your clothes off. 
Yeah, clothes moths. <laughs> Say that three times fast. But <laughs> she's not had any luck they using cedar or wear lavender. any clothes. Do what? <laughs> so, anyway, any, if anybody has an idea how to do that. I know that, that that's, also, that that's true. <laughs> What's that? I said, for the record, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> If anybody can figure out how to do that, let Victoria know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, if you're just talking about st storing the clothes. Well, um... they, I have, I, I've had my wardrobe in plastic bags for like two years, but it's not really practical for, I mean, they just, I don't know what it is. I've tried tons of moth traps, all the traditional things. And I thought maybe someone here would know some secret that was kept from our common knowledge because this is a wise bunch. Have you tried to eat any essential oils like um, peppermint? I, I have. I know peppermint is a, you have. Mm -hmm. How, what did you do? Uh, I did a diffusion and I've also used a peppermint cedar cleaner. I, you know, Jim, and I are the distributors for the same company. We have some essential oils, and our ladies are pretty dynamic. I can reach out to Brenda and ask, but um, you know they they recommend like in a in a baggie, you put some cotton balls in a a drop or two of our peppermint oil, and you shake that up, and you take them cotton balls, and you now they haven't specifically talked about moths, but you know uh, rodents, your garden. Uh, if you put a, one of them moths or one of those cotton balls with our peppermint oil on it, uh, in the corner, each of your corners in the barn, garage, basement, rooms, you know, it'll keep the mice away. Uh, and I know it, it's effective on, on many insects. I don't know about moths. Uh, that's, that's a caterpillar, isn't it? It turns into a moth or, yeah. or a moth. Yeah, it's a caterpillar. Um, I could check with Brenda and uh, see what she says. I don't know if she'll check right back with me but uh if i don't hear from her today i can uh you know come back on tomorrow and let you know what i find out fantastic thank you so very much i've just been so desperate i've tried everything hey dave you're while welcome. you're at it when you talk to brenda just see if she'd be uh, willing to come on the show one day and uh, give her my uh, okay. phone number and we'll I, I haven't talked to her in quite a while but just ask her give me a call and give her one text Text me your email, and okay. I'll I'll text it to her. All right, we'll do. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Ooh, KB. So down to about every, twenty minutes. Every, every everybody Samuel. probably has a local extension or an expert in gardening. That uh, when you have troubles like that, you could probably get good advice from those people. And I always prefer going the organic way uh, before I do anything drastic. Yeah. Don't want to put but chemicals almost, on and mess things up. Almost any... I'm sorry, Jim. No, I was just going to say, you definitely don't want to put chemicals on things and mess things up if you don't have to. Yeah, almost, almost every good natural pest control book starts with you keep your plants healthy and you've knocked down the problem about 95%. Right. And that's absolutely true. Um, 
you know, the, the, the healthiest gardens uh, that I've consistently seen just do not, are, they're not affected by, by pests. They're just not. And like people. part of that, and this is one of the things that happens with the, the turboganic, and, and I'm sure other approaches as well, is that the cell walls actually become thicker. So if you think about it in terms of, say, uh, a, a little kid being bullied in school, in grammar school or something, so it's the big kids that dominate. So if the roles were reversed and the big kid's not the bully and benevolent, then, you know, he doesn't have to worry about being hassled. And so the, the, the cell walls become thicker, and, and so the, the insects then don't want to work as hard. That's one way to look at it. They don't want to work as hard on that. And, um, and if the, the plant is producing, is healthy, and through the photosynthesis, producing sugars into the soil, then that can serve as a deterrent. Um, so that's of, of benefit. You know, sometimes we can include things that are more of a high-tech nature to be able to help solve some problems. And uh, a lot of times people say, oh, my gosh, I'd grow a deer, but, you know, I can't afford a 12-foot chain-link fence to keep them out. And so there is, um, if you do a, a search on Amazon uh, for, or someplace, uh, for example, uh, look up ultrasonic pest control. And so they have two different types of generic devices. These are solar powered and one is used for underground pests and the other one is for above ground critters, <laughs> sometimes big ones too. Mm -hmm. And so they have, uh, you know, the high frequency um, pitch built in uh, for those applications. Uh, and that can be a deterrent that's out of human hearing range. Uh, some I've seen actually have a, uh, and they're solar powered, and I've seen a, a, a reservoir, some hook up directly to a hose where there's a motion sensor that it's tripped in concert with the ultrasonic sound that if they, they persist, then the, you know, the, the sprayer that has that little side paddle, you know, it's go like that. So that thing gets set off for a short period of time, and that's generally enough to, to scare them away. Um, you know, just startles them. So that's in terms of the bigger pest, obviously. Yep. Um, and for those of you that have dogs, instead of just uh, scooping up or vacuuming up dog hair and throwing it away, take that dog hair out and sprinkle it around the perimeter of your garden, and the deer will smell the dog hair and will not want to go near it. Yeah, and, and, and also there's, a, I believe, a website called Predator P. P E E. Yeah. <laughs> and um and they and how they capture this stuff, I have no idea. I never asked. But they have like cougar pee, I'm joking here, elephant pee, whatever it takes, right? Mm -hmm. And they have it matched up with these other invaders, right? And so uh and they would apply that to the perimeter of the garden and keep them out, you know, same principle there. But you know, when you get a rain, then that, that can yep. wash it and then you have to reapply it and such. Uh, or get careless in your watering. So one approach we've seen happen where we'll take some fabric strips, if you will, maybe six inches long and, and put some of that uh, that product on there and take a, uh, you know, a medium-sized water bottle and turn it up, um, you know, well, take the, uh, cut the spout part off and then that way you can say staple that somehow or fasten it to a stake in the ground and put your 
Um, actually, you staple the, the, the fabric strip and then put the, the plastic thing on top of that. And, you know, you might want to put a staple in there, too, to hold it down. And then that way the scent is coming out. But if there's rain coming, it's not going to wash away the, the scent hmm. out of the fabric. Cool. There's all kinds of stuff out there. That's for sure. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I'll tell you what. I, Jim, I, you know, I'm sure like yourself. Uh, I learn more <laughs> than than I ever could give out to people, you know, in all these years. <laughs> and uh, every day's a learning day, right? Oh yeah, that's the key. Uh, another source of natural pest control that a lot of people overlook is planting certain plants in the mm -hmm. vicinity of other plants to keep pests away. Yeah, my wife puts yeah. marigolds around the outside of the garden, and that seems right. to help quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. It works very well. And it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. And keep in, again, keep in mind that it's actually the flowering plants. And if you have fragrant things, say the lavenders or other type of uh, geraniums and, and such, uh, that that's going to attract your, your bees. Mm -hmm. And so in concert with the proper mineralization of the soil, you know, the use of the turbo, if you choose, then that acts like an aphrodisiac for the bees. Because yeah. then, because just like the vegetables, you're going to get a better flavor. You're going to get better flavor. You're going to get better uh, shelf life. Uh, just the, the aroma of, the, of the, the blossoms to, you know, the, the smell, the taste of the, of the fruit, whatever that may be, you know, vegetable or real fruit um so all of it is enhanced and um so and then even some of the experience experiments we've done in over the years with hydroponics that we we were we had figured out a way to uh grow in coarse wash sand in a certain method which i'm always happy to share um but we put it uh, say romaine lettuce in there and we had um three sets of primary leaves, root structure, and the plant total height, you know, close to two inches in 72 hours. Wow. Two hours. We put those into grow medium, grow cups, and we had full-grown over one-pound plants in 34 days. And the, the crazy, th and, the, and they were sweet instead of bitter, which it would be typical of, of that kind of plant. And what we had was um, at the you know, we cut, we severed, you know, after 34 days, we severed the roots, bagged them and refrigerated them. We didn't have one pencil point of discoloration in a month in the refrigerator. Now, they were softer, but there wasn't that typical kind of slimy black edge. So that was, you know, that was something that always caught my attention that I remember. So if a healthy plant, it's going to exhibit its health in a variety of different ways. Awesome. Yeah, plants are more like people than people give them credit for. You keep your garden healthy, you keep your plants healthy, and you knocked out most of the trouble. And that's pretty much the same way people are. You keep your people healthy, they don't you don't have to worry about things like monkeypox and COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what else? Hey, hey, John and Sarge. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Great show. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Great idea. Um, I can attest to the, the pest control function 
having 20 years in a golf, having a golf course construction business and a turf, turf business. I grew, I grew grass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the golf course superintendents had a thing that was going around. This was in Southern California, but also all over. But a program back in the day to try to, re, you know, when, when golf was really going gangbusters to kind of uh, alleviate a lot of the fungicide and or pesticide use, you know, from their clientele as they got more aware and, and, and would ask. So they experimented, I think you see Riverside and I'm not sure another turf uh, grass, maybe Michigan State as well, or certainly Michigan State, all of them, Penn State. But they had a program that's called IPM, which speaks to what you all talking on uh, integrated pest management and that being done naturally and i can attest to it because that was the crux of our golf course services we would deep soil aerate uh the greens the putting greens go uh you know three quarters of an inch in diameter by 12 inches long at a time wow. and would aerify greens and either pull a core or solid time the, the core then and, and then top dress backfill with sand on the golf course green so that I, that would increase obviously your airification your percolation and alleviate fairy ring and, and uh, uh, hard pan on the putting greens that are just become compact right you're mowing on it every day you got weight you got golfers um, so your root zones would flourish so you'd have a strong root zone, so they would they could back off on having to use fungicides, pesticides, fertilizer, because you have a vibrant root zone that's just uh, 12 to 16 inches deep in some cases. Mm-hmm. So that's my two cents. That's neat. Good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah thank you, John. That, uh, I think, is very solid advice. And... Uh, yeah, they, I mean, the aeration, they were, I'm trying to think, and John, maybe you know of this. Um, there's a, a, oh, I know, diatomaceous earth. Diatomaceous earth, you know, really, and, and also something called zeolite. That's often added to soils uh, to help with, um, you know, just uh, creating more water absorption. And the zeolite, you know, they say some of it uh, in, in its mind. But some of it, uh, it's holding onto water that goes back to the time of Christ. Uh, it just it does a good job. And so it can, it can release. And so it's, it's something that's often used. Did you, have you ever used anything like that, John? Or what kind of agents had you used? I was going to say, that is correct, sir. Um, it's a soil amendment. It's used for a soil amendment. And we would call it kitty litter. zeolite and and when once it caught on you know when when tiger woods was going like gangbusters and everybody wanted to look like augusta the course is looking good very 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 competitive right and uh of course increased their greens fees but yeah soil amendments like zeolite and uh, you know, various sand, and I could get really granular, pun intended, with sand size. It, it even got down to the type of sand you would get. Uh, we would rebuild bunkers, and again, people wanted that crushed white marble, crushed uh, that you would see in Augusta National, the white bunkers. 
and then they would figure out that oh my goodness like you know this this stuff's so bright it reflects the sun off my the shaft of my club and i can't see <laughs> so then we would, we would knock it down and again they would capitalize on this you would have like what's what's Arnold palmer's you know bumper mix and what's what's jack nicholas's and what's what's pete dies it got kind of comical, but yeah, it's definitely used. It's the porosity that you speak of for sure. It retains water for sure, and uh, the mineral content from from you know from uh, from days of old as well. But yeah, definitely used, and uh, it was part of the regimen depending on what kind of soil you were dealing with. We, we could essentially rebuild. There's two types of greens. You have a, a USGA spec green again. Uh, drainage, you know, drain tiles and, and, and an 80-20 mix and, and organics and, and crushed rock. Or you have the old farmer that sold the back 40 to the, the guy in the 60s or 80s and they built putting greens like they did push-up, what they call push-up greens. So you just, you get what you get, right? They're not going to bring in a ton of new material. They just grass over it. So, you know, mm -hmm. we would essentially rebuild a green with these cultural practices, you know, pi r squared times the height, you know, the volume of a cylinder, you can pretty much affect and change out your soil profiles, I guess is what I'm getting at. So anyway, sorry about babbling on. The, uh, yeah, soil amendments are key and that zeolites readily use. I just wanted to add that um, just prior to you bringing up diatomaceous earth, I put it in the chat because um, Victoria had asked about moths. Right. And diatomaceous earth is excellent for silverfish. Yeah. A lot of people think they have moths when it may be silverfish. And um, um, it dries them out. And food-grade diatomaceous earth is a great internal cleanser. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you can use diatomaceous earth as well on tomato plants if you want to get rid of the um, snails if unless you you know unless you wanted to mitigate the snails in another way but yeah so you brought up diatomaceous earth there's a lot of you want to get food grade there's a lot of amazing uses for it um, and I don't know if either of you heard of he sold it but when I was in Memphis living in Memphis for three years I had learned of Justin Timberlake's um, he totally converted the golf course there to a green golf course hmm. with a lot of natural habitat. Interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. And not any, um, you know, they didn't use any toxic um, products either. So it, it was a beautiful golf course. Neat. Cool. Right. Actually, if I may, Jim. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Go. So, uh, you know, our blue and minerals uh, is a soil conditioner, obviously, and mm -hmm. it, it, you know, there's I've seen studies where, uh, you know, just lawn grass, um, you know, what does it have a two, maybe three inch deep root structure? Um, after a couple of years of the blue and minerals just on your lawn you can increase the, the, the root growth from nine to 12 inches. Wow. Um, and it definitely retains moisture in the soil. Um, it's, it's really incredible stuff. So I would highly advise 
It's my understanding that's the only thing they use on the rose yeah. on the rose bowl out in Pasadena. And that grass is just gorgeous. <laughs> I've marched on that grass. They use the blooming minerals on it. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. Really, I. That's my understanding. That. Uh, who, when I was when I was at um, at the mine out in Utah. Uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, but the guy that actually owns the property and he was giving us a tour Dave? of the thing. Um, Dave his, or was it one of the sons? Um, I can't remember. Dave um, is the owner. Keith is the son. And there's I think the, it was I can't Dave. Remember the other son's name. But anyway, he was saying okay. that uh, they saw, you know, we have the, you know, Longevity has the sole um, contract for human use stuff. But they also use the stuff where they make the uh, the product for plants, and they they say that uh, they sell it to the rose rose bowl, and that's the only thing they put on that that field is our is those minerals, which is pretty cool. Incredible, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful grass. Well, we're down to all uh, about uh, four minutes, so anybody else jump in, John? Yeah. Um, are you interested in increasing your sales or not? Uh, let me scratch my head and think about that one for a while. Of course. Uh, you might consider our advertising on RBN. They're, they need the help, and that might be a good crowd for you. Okay. Do you have a link for them? Oh, just look them up online. Republic Broadcasting Network. You'll get their... Okay. Their, yeah. And I'm definitely going to oh, put a we'll link do. to Turboganics on this, the replay of this show, and it's going to be posted in several different places. So hopefully it'll get you some business as well. Appreciate it very hey, much. And, and Yes. John, let me give you the phone number. You can call them directly. Um, uh, can we do, can we do, would you mind doing this? Because I'm, I'm not in a position to, to write. If you and, and I, I so I can't see the chat either. But if you if you would be so kind, let me just give you my uh, cell number, and if you could just text that to me with just a, a uh, one, you know, on, few on. few words on that. Um. Okay, what's your number? Eight zero one eight zero eight four five eight eight. That's 801-808-4588. And again, if uh, anyone appear on the call or, you know, if you had other hey, questions, yeah, give me a call. Yeah, this is Dave in the thumb. I, we've, we've oh, yeah. Hey, Dave. Oh, I'll yeah. yeah of course we that. have. Of course hey. we have. Yeah. Yeah, I'll text you that. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Fantastic. Okay. Got the last two minutes. Anybody else got uh, any questions for John? Comments? Whatever. It's been a great show. You know, I always, I wanted to have John on, and I, you never know how long these things will go, whether people are going to have enough to talk about, or we just go as long as we can. But, shoot, this has been fantastic. Um, and, of course, no, the it, replay it, will be it, posted it, uh, on, on CastBox within probably by uh, half an hour from now. So and it'll be posted in all my other places, Gab and Facebook and on Telegram, the whole whole shooting match. Wonderful. Yeah. So Jim, I, I, I just wanted to thank you personally, um, again, uh, for the opportunity. 
I, you know, initially I'm hoping, oh my gosh, you know, this is getting carried away and, you know, it's consuming the whole show because I didn't know what you had in mind. And hey. uh, so I, I, I'm hopeful that it was. Uh, well, my thing is whatever the folks want to talk about, you know, I, I, I could sit here and yak about things all day long that people may or may not be interested in. But if, if we got the topic that folks are interested in and people are, you know, bringing up questions and hey, we can go the whole show. I don't mind at all. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> And I appreciate you being able awesome. to, to come on and chat with us. And um, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting this stuff on my plants and giving it a try. I think it's going to be great. And uh, I, I, again, I just appreciate you coming on and spending, uh, taking time out of your busy day to, to chat with us. So, uh, uh-huh. and was uh, that was 801-808-4588. Correct. You're the fertilizer guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, the way I look at it, um, I rarely refer to the product as a fertilizer, believe it or not, yeah. because I don't want to be thrown in there with the miracle Grow and the Mill Organite. So I just call it... Roundup. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I call it just a, uh, an incredible plant nutrient. Bingo. There you go. That's probably oh, Make your plants happy. Probably manure. <laughs> All we don't want to do that and with that <laughs> we are all out of time folks again thank you so much john and everybody else for being here we've had a good uh, good crowd good talk take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live and we'll be back to tomorrow so who knows what we'll be talking about so take care come god bless and we'll see you then have a good one